Francisco d'Anconi. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Face to Face with me, Ibrahim Mahmoud. Today we're with Waqas Sheikh. Waqas is a financial analyst and a person who's grown up in Pakistan and is actively involved and follows events in Pakistan. And he, well, today we're looking at his, pro, his article, looking at Pakistan's challenges, does turbulence lie ahead? Waqas, welcome. Thank you. Waqas, tell me, we've had two years now of this first ever democratically elected transition in, in the history of, of Pakistan. Yeah. And in your article, you mentioned a number of really important, but also very you know, searching questions in mm. terms of where does Pakistan go from here? Mm. And I like to look at this as an evaluation. Mm -hmm. We're two years in, mm -hmm. Nawaz Sharif is prime minister for the third time, if I'm correct, right, yes. again. Has Pakistan changed? Well, what we've got to remember is, um, even though it was the third time that Noah Sharif was coming in, and he's a very seasoned, experienced politician, he's been in the game for about 30 years now, um, initially as the finance minister of the largest province of Pakistan, and subsequently... This is Punjab. Uh, that's correct, the Punjab province, which is 60% uh, of the population and resources that contributes to the GDP. So, uh, And then subsequently the chief minister of that... Um, um, of that province before becoming the prime minister for the first time in the early 90s and then having a second term in 97. But the, the conversation was very different this time around um, to, to what Noah Sharif had faced uh, previously when he, when he um, uh, constructed his governments. Um, and that wasn't just because of the dour financial situation. The economy was in absolute dire straits. Um, the, the government of the PPP um, in, in its... Um, it's Pakistan's People's uh, Party. People's Party, that's correct. The, the, the government that, that Noah Sharif replaced with the PMLN um, had left a complete mess uh, on virtually every different facet that can impact a nation, whether it be economically, whether it be from the security situation, um, the education, employment, everything was in pretty much tatters. Um, uh, the, the reserves were at an all-time low. Um, so the challenge was, was tremendous. Um, and um, I think in light of where we were at that point in time, um, there, there has been a lot of movement in Pakistan and in many aspects... Um, I would probably s sort of say uh, it's exceeded the expectations of a number of people, but that can't necessarily all be attributed to the wonders of the PMLN government. Well, this is the thing. So, you, so in your article, I mean, what, hmm. very from from the outset, yeah. you refer to the uh, waiting for the tsunami of change yeah. promised by this Imran Khan, you know, yeah. former cricketer now turned populist yeah. politician. Yeah. So tell me, here's a here's a movement for justice. Yeah. Where does it where does it where does it go from here? I mean, hmm. he seems to be involved in all kinds of love affairs and <laughs> dramas in his personal life. Right. He's, I mean, you, you have you have really searching, uh, challenging uh, yeah. points of being put across by even some of his former supporters. Yeah. You have here Najm Aziz Sethi, yeah. you know, the very famous former hmm. leader of the Cricket Association, sure. now a very prominent journalist hmm. who mentioned that last year hmm. he did appear to be the man hmm. uh, leading the opposition hmm. and, and a very hmm. credible one. Hmm. But in the last year. 
year, he's lost a lot of ground, mm. a lot of ground mm. politically. Mm -hmm. So how does a man that you once mm. saw as mm. leading a tsunami of change, yeah. can, it, can he even be a, a credible leader of the opposition, let alone right. the one, a, a one-time uh, leader of Pakistan? Yeah. See, see what, do you got, what, do you, what you've got to understand with um, the politics of Pakistan is that um, there's only been, it's been a bit of a merry-go-round between three different key players you had. The Pakistan People's Party, who was the the, the, the party that was ruling, uh, that they had constructed the government before Nawaz Sharif came in, the PMLN government of Nawaz Sharif, which, like we've said, is coming the third time, or um, the, the the military would jump in from time to time and, and take over affairs. And so there's been this constant instability, and none of those institutions have been able to prove themselves in stabilizing But Pakistan. why is that? Um, because of uh, inherent corruption, because of the... Uh, well, you talk about corruption. You talk about corruption three times yeah. in your article. Yeah. And uh, the problem we have, yeah. I, I will put across here, is yeah. you have a number of commentators who constantly go on and mm. on about corruption being yeah. uh, the source of what even in Pakistan. Yeah. My question to you would be, mm. well, p uh, corruption doesn't start from the head of the state doesn't start from the head no. of the state. No. In yeah. fact, corruption is, corruption is something that's well, endemic across society. Agreed. So this is, um, and, and the, the, corruption isn't something which is just going to be, I mean, the, the, a government will lead the direction on corruption, for example, if they want to root it out or if they want to leave it there, because you're absolutely right. The corruption that Pakistan is suffering from lies within the lower le lower levels of uh, the judiciary, uh, lies within the institutions like the police, um, even within healthcare, in education, every facet within the society, um, that corruption is, is inherent. Um, it exists there and, and unfortunately the, the situation is such that um, you have to become a part of it. As a, you can't avoid it. You have to become a part of it to have any chance of surviving it, box. And that is a genuine. That's not well, sensational. No, actually, they've spoken about ridding the country of corruption, yeah, well, of we, we, bringing we, in a wind of change. Yeah, no, actually, yeah. actually, yeah. you mentioned he's a seasoned mm -hmm. politician. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's a very wealthy, successful industrialist. Sure. Surely, a man of his stature and yeah. his reputation will be the man to put an end to this right. sort so, of stuff. So, or do we lie on mm. untested, uh, fairly rookie uh, Imran Khan? Right. So. So what we've got to be clear upon is that uh, amongst the democratically elected parties that have come in, the PPP is known to be the most corrupt, as a matter of fact. Uh, well, and the PPP have left government. So let's just focus well, on uh, Nawaz Sharif. Sharif yeah. So Nawaz Sharif, in his previous two uh, tenors, has been accused of uh, uh, of extensive corruption within that time. And the corruption is of different sorts, maybe slightly different to not blatantly in the form of sort of taking money and pocketing it uh, through their ministers, but things like sort of awarding contracts to their own ministers, etc., and sort of the nepotism that comes with that. Okay. That's, that's a big, big conversation. The thing about Imran Khan is, and it's very important that we come to this, is agreed that he's not, or uh, I'm going to take my, uh, myself back two years to when the election was happening, they agreed that he's not a seasoned politician. Um, but the fact is he's not tainted like every other option has been. The military to the PPP to the PMLN have had their chances and they failed, especially, especially when it comes to, when it comes to the point of corruption. What now, what, what, what Imran Khan was doing um, was making a number of pledges and these pledges appealed to the public and this is why such a huge amount of the electorate came forward and the pledge for example well, you say to rid them huge, of corruption you say a huge number yeah. of the electorate yeah. let's be honest it was a middle class bourgeois yeah. very youthful yeah. uh, but dynamic group of people that really backed him right but Khan couldn't reach past anything outside Lahore Karachi right there were there were um 60% of the electorate came out and voted. And as a matter of fact, if you look at the actual, uh, agreed, the, the, the number of seats that he won, 
in Parliament was slightly less, well, slightly less than PPP. From one seat, the election before, he won 32 seats this time, which was uh, obviously uh, 10 or less than the PPP, who I believe won about 45, which is a huge jump, right? Which is a huge jump. And if you look at the actual votes that were cast, the PTI, the Pakistan Tariq and Saaf, actually got more votes than the PPP in that election. So okay. there was a huge well, shift in, in, in perception. And the reason for that was, like I said, that the things that he proposed were completely fresh. And they actually put, he put his hand on the pain points of what the, the people are sensitive about. Well, you say they're fresh, but, so, I'm, 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 I have to say, Imran Khan seems to be a person yeah. who, who, who's, who's, who's essentially, you know, demanding power. Right. His, bad, his yeah. bid for power has forced, has forced people to the streets, has sure. caused Chaos and anarchy, yeah. a point, has tend to start, tends to ignore a legal process which sure. which didn't accept his yeah. so-called accusations of the elections being rigged and yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah. And I would actually argue hmm. some of his comments regarding yeah. a third umpire yeah, yeah. were extremely ill-advised. Yeah. Right. And if anything, many people would yeah. argue that he hoped the army had stepped in. So we're talking about mm. a man mm. that who's attempted to do the right thing by yeah. going to the ballot box, yeah. has realised that he hasn't been able to achieve yeah. anything. Yeah. And what does he do? He holds the country to hostage by blockading right. the streets for weeks on end. Sure. He then tries to ignore a judicial a judicial yeah. uh, look at this issue, which said yeah. there's nothing, there's not a question to be answered. Mm -hmm. And then what did he do? He alludes to the military's intervention in mm. taking power. What kind of man could that be to leave Pakistan? Well, well let's just clarify. The third umpire that you refer to, he, he, he alleges or, or has, has clarified that, and this is his position, he says it wasn't the army that he was waiting for. It was actually uh, the decision of Allah that he referred to when he said that. So, I mean, as, as far as he's concerned, he wasn't leaning on the army. But, but the point is that this is where we're learning about Imran Khan and very much so people came out on the streets for this new option, this different option um, this what they perceived as exactly what they needed to, to rectify the, the, the plethora the portfolio of, of failings in Pakistan but with him being an unseasoned polished politician, all of these things that you mentioned, the sitting of 126 days, the National Assembly not being able to sit, the, the, the economy the way it suffered, the PTI is un, uh, eventually uh, ended up being the most um, um, sort of hurt by this. And the reason for that is, and if, if you allow me to finish, is number Please. one is that the people that they actually took with them for those sit-ins, they had to financially provide for them, feed them, and make sure that they were okay. Number two, at the end of that sitting, the premise of that fitting, sitting, let me, let's be very clear on that, was the fact that they wanted the PML, PMLN government, the government of Nawaz Sharif, to agree to the vote rigging that happened in the 2000, that allegedly, allegedly happened in the 2013 election. Mm -hmm. There was a judicial commission that was set up, mm -hmm. and it was acceptable to the PTI and the PMLN and uh, all the other parties um, that were involved. And that judicial commission, which was headed by the Chief Justice of Pakistan, concluded that there was no vote ringing. There wasn't enough evidence provided by these parties. The PTI was given a number of opportunities. Every other party was given the opportunity to bring about the evidences that they had. There were 39 hearings that were had. Um, but their conclusion was that there was no vote ring. So all of this sitting in, all of that was for nothing. And this is what sort of, instead of focusing on this, the, the, the province that he had won, because the PTI has won the KPK. And I think the KPK is a really striking example. I mean, let's, yeah. give, let's give credit credits due. I think yeah. you see some really exciting reforms in, in that province, especially in health care in particular. Right. But tell me, this province, they've only had it for a short amount of time so yeah. far. 
but yet they haven't been able to do much beyond devolution of local of local justice. Yeah. They claim to have uh, tried to depoliticize the police, right. the police yes. force, yeah. and we have to acknowledge these uh, successes. However, yeah. there are still severe endemic yeah. issues yeah. which they really claim to sure. really have put forward, mm-hmm. but not tried to address whatsoever. Now, why is that? Well, this is the thing, and this is a huge opportunity where I think Imran Khan's inexperience as a politician is shown, and because if he had taken that province which he has been able to form a government in worked on that particular province to demonstrate that he's able to because he's never had a position of political leadership before this we've got to be we've got to be clear on that that demonstrate that he he is able to rectify the ills within that province itself and that is a demonstrable asset that he has to go to the rest of the electorate and say, well, look at what we've done in KPK. Um, let's roll this out across the country in the next election. But what he's, as opposed to that, what he's decided to do is these sit-ins um, and sort of disrupt the sitting government as opposed to go with the, uh, sort of pulling the same direction as them, pulling an opposite direction. Nobody's saying there may not have been vote rigging, right? Let's be very clear on that. But not enough to, he had the opportunity to prove that. There, and well, was it, it a good clear. use of time? And I it think wasn't we'll, a good use of time. We'll come back to that later on. Yeah. So, Akas, what should Imran Khan do now? Well, I think it's it's what he should have done from the beginning, which is, um, as I've alluded to, focus on the province that he has in hand, form his government, make sure that he irons the issues out there, uh, and presents a really strong case to the rest of the electorate for the next election. But the thing is that because of the sit-ins, his own party has been severely damaged. Like it says, financially, there's infighting. There's an intra-elections now because it's been concluded by an independent inquiry that the uh, the, the, the party elections that happened in 2013 were, were not conducted uh, properly, which is ironic. Uh, so considering the... that he's just sat in for 126 days accusing the government of that. But in any case, uh, he's got about two odd years, two and a half years to sort of put his house in order. Um, he should be focusing on the KPK, uh, KPK region, making sure things are ironed out, and follow the model of, th- even for example, to bring in models like um, Turkey and Tayyip Erdogan. He was given a small mandate. He proved himself in that mandate. He was a mayor of, of Istanbul. Um, he, he, he then took his, his, um, uh, his mandate beyond that because the people saw what he did with that and they, were, they had the confidence in him. And Imran Khan needs to replicate that in a way. And, and you, you can't just expect uh, that you have a sort of like a, a right to get that premiership. You have to earn it. So. Very last question, Imran Khan, before we move mm. on. Will Imran Khan really truly... Uh, protect or or completely change the face of conservative, the conservative face of Pakistan. Conservative face of Pakistan? No, he's very much on that tip itself. Um, uh, what I what I uh, I think my apprehension is. I mean, I, I listen to the things that he says is completely fresh and different of what he offers to the other parties. The thing is, the reality of politics is, however, and this is the sad fact that you will come in with your ethics and you will say the right things and you will have a utopian v- view of it. But especially the reality of the politics in Pakistan is that sometimes you have to acquiesce. Uh, in some of those things to be able to, um, I guess, for the greater good. I, I do feel that what he says is right, but if he was given that power, he probably wouldn't be able to implement all of those things because the reality of the politics of Pakistan wouldn't allow him to do that. However, having said that, just to conclude on this, I do see him as a much better option than everything else that is available to the electorate of Pakistan going forward. So, I mean, I would I would like to see him form a government in my in my lifetime to see how, how he does. Um, he needs to sort out his team. But he is a cricketer. He knows the importance of having a... <laughs> he uses those analogies all the time uh, because the PTI in and of itself uh, has a lot of problems. Um, but he needs to sort out his house. He needs to sort out his party. And, uh, and, and I mean, I would... I, for one, would be happy to see how they do if they were given an opportunity in, in government. 
the new government has actually had a very interesting time with regards to security. Mm. I mean, you may remember that for a number of years, yep. there's been a lot of instability yep. uh, in Pakistan. I mean, sure. People actually argue it was only in pockets of the, of the far north, but in, in reality, it had a far reach yep. across the country, many yep. killed. Yep. Uh, a lot of it not necessarily due to the conflict in Afghanistan, yep. uh, many have argued. Now we've had a more settled yeah. Uh, Pakistan. Yeah. Obviously, there are still issues, there are still mm. challenges. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you see the security situation now in Pakistan? Has yeah. Pakistan truly appreciated that it yeah. needs to get, it's a vessel handle with yeah. the real extreme yeah. elements of, yeah. of, of, of people advert, uh, pushing a religious, yeah. uh, you know, politically motivated sure. violence, but at the same time, those people who are pushing for yeah. autonomy or separatism, mm -hmm. there's a lot of mm -hmm. diverse actors in Pakistan. Yeah. Where does security lie right now? Right, so um, the security situation in Pakistan, is, it's, it's, it doesn't take an expert to conclude it was appalling when, when this government came in. It has been for a number of years now because of the war on terror and Pakistan's participation and um, the, 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 the terrorist groups which exist within Pakistan. I, I think mainly, if we, if we speak about the the Tariqa Taliban in Pakistan, mm -hmm. the, the, the Taliban arm which exists in Pakistan, who used to who take responsibility for a lot of the, the terrorist um, acts which have occurred over the past few number of years. Um, the first tact that the government uh, employed uh, and was backed by the PTI and, and opposition parties was to sit around the table. This hadn't been done before and try to negotiate with uh, sort of like most of the terrorist organizations. Or would he say it's because of Nawaz Sharif's conservative leanings? Uh, conservative leanings and also the fact that it hadn't been done. Nobody had really tried to sit around the table and sort of like reason with, you know, what's the problem, what's the issue. But very, very quickly, without going into the detail, um, I think they realized that there wasn't uh, this reciprocation of this desire to sort of um, actually sort things out from, from, from the TTP, for example. Um, and they continued... Uh, I mean, the, the June attacks into last year on the Karachi airport, which killed, killed 28 people, um, that um, that basically led to the operation, um, I think it's Zarb al-Azab, if I'm not wrong. It's like a, 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 an operation which was uh, introduced by the Pakistan army because the army had to come in and the army's actually taken this issue by the scruff of the neck. And this is where it's shown a, a weakness of the, of the what government. What is the criticism that Nawaz Sharif actually mentioned in the election? That the army has essentially been overly heavy-handed. Well, uh, th this is the thing. I think what they've realized now is the army is the only institution, in light of the, the frailties within the government and the police system, because, just very quickly to digress, the police has a very big hand in dealing with terrorist organizations because they don't just sit on the outskirts, like you said, in the, in, in the northern parts of Pakistan. They infiltrate all of society and that's where police come in however uh, just to go back to the point the government realizes that they are not able to deal with the terrorists the way the army has been able to and hence that mandate was fully given to the army and Rahil Sharif under the guidance of Rahil Sharif over the past year year and a half um, they've they've done a fantastic job in in reducing that fantastic threat. job well, what I mean to say that is is um, if you if you look at it objectively in terms of uh, reducing the amount of terrorist attacks that are happening in Pakistan. It's been the lowest year since 2007. 2015 has been the lowest year. So from that perspective, what I mean to say is improving the security situation. Um, the, the army's been very, very effective. Um, and so it's it's not, it hasn't gone away. It, it, but, but the fact is um, that there has certainly been an improvement in that situation. Num a number of the media channels were 
recently um, uh, commenting on this, commenting on this as well, that they're not having to report 30, 40, 50, 60 people dead every day. And I'm sure they don't enjoy doing that. Uh, and th uh, alhamdulillah, it's, uh, it obviously, we, we, we all are on that tip. So, so the point is that the army is very efficiently taking care of this. Um, the, there, there is a lot of um, apprehension within the, uh, the, the government themselves because there's a number of ministers who've been killed. Yes. There are a number of um, sort of uh, people in the judiciary, for example, who have actually been targeted and killed by terrorist attacks when they've tried to sort of, uh, uh, sort of uh, instigate uh, the clear out. But the army is able to manage itself. Well, we, we understand the army seems to be the one mm. that the, the everlasting institutions of Pakistan. I'm sure mm. there's a long running joke of yeah. many other countries saying that if, if you know if a country is his, his army, and that's the case of Pakistan. Yeah. But it, again, it speaks a lot about the problems of, of institution. And mm. coming back to maybe more of a, a slightly different issue, but related to security, mm. a lot of you speak about for the last number of years of an mm. issue of the economy, yeah. which feeds a yeah. cycle of violence, which feeds yeah. the, 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 the fundamental issues of young people not being able to achieve mm. and grow and have prosperous lives. And mm. you have the issue of a massive... Uh, UAID, yeah. uh, US uh, particular funding, which yeah. goes to the, the government in form of loans and, mm -hmm. and development loans, all yeah. the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But that is done in in with tacit acknowledgement yeah. that Pakistan has a, a very clear crackdown yeah. on its border frontiers. Mm. Has that changed? So if you look at all of the indicators, the economic indicators, as a matter of fact, The Economist has just issued something about um, how, how Pakistan is performing. It's it's it pretty much across the board is, is miraculously positive. Compared much to of it not due to government intervention. You've had great low oil prices. You've yeah. had of course. Globe, relatively globally low yeah. inflation rates. Agreed. These things will naturally help any economy. So yeah. what are the other endemic challenges that Pakistan faces in that situation? Well, the thing is that um, I agree with you that there are, there's, there are certain things which the government can't take credit for, but there are other things which it, which it can. Um, uh, for, for starters, I, I think this, we've already spoken about this, the, allow, allowing the army to take charge of the security situation when the security situation gen in general in Pakistan has improved. Respected, and, that's really important. So the yeah. army taking control of the yeah, security situation which allows the government to focus on other issues. Yeah. However, has the government taken an approach which is building massive industrial projects all across the country, great schemes which get lots of work, people as, as laborers and yeah. workers, but in reality it doesn't actually create jobs right. for so, the vast majority of unemployed who are under the age of 25. Yeah. See, this is the thing. Um, I, in terms of contracts, there's been a great, great criticism, I've already touched on this, of the the, the, the government, the Marshall government, that they, they give those contracts to their own and so the proliferation of the benefit of that, it just it just doesn't get, get to society in general. But the, the fact is that the foreign remittances are increasing. Uh, we're, we've got about reserves of more than 18 billion now, which is more than doubled uh, in, in the last six or seven years, which is a huge amount. Uh, much uh, much more positive numbers on that front. Investment is increasing. The central bank is reducing um, its its uh, its borrowing rates, and for the reason for that is to encourage investment. So there is money going into the economy now, um, and GDP growth is expected to be around about five percent, which is the tar almost the target. It's just missing the target. It's by a bit. really positive. It, My it question is, is mm. how is this impacting the real economy? Agreed. So so, uh, however, the the reality is. And many experts, economists know that that level that the, the GDP is growing at 5%, it needs to sustain itself for at least seven years, seven to eight years. For it to see any real change. Exactly, for it to see, see change on the ground. And this is why it's a bit of a paradox right now. If you think about it, that the economy is growing at a record level. But 
uh, unemployment is growing at a record level as well. And so next year, unemployment is expected to be 0.3% even more. So 83 right now, in 2016, expects to be 86 which is huge for a population of 180 million people. Um, so it, it's going to take time for that to trickle down. But the fact is, and the positive thing is, that at least we're going in the right direction and if, if we're able to continue to, 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 to carry on. Looking forward, mm. where do you see Pakistan heading in the next few years? Well... Uh, as, as I've already alluded to, if, if the economic factors remain the same, if the security situation remains um, as, as it is, the priority of the government should absolutely be to make Pakistan um, a place where people would want to be. Um, and there's two or three different things which they need to work on for that. Number one is um, uh, society in general, social justice. One of the things that uh, I think is, 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 yeah, is, is one of the, the, the biggest points, um, uh, gripes, I guess, is that there is no social injustice. They have to sort out the judiciary. People should feel there is an equity. They will be able to sort of like rely on the institutions, the police, the judicial system. They need to improve, edu improve education, which itself will in improve employment um, and make Pakistan a far more um, uh, a appealing proposition for overseas Pakistanis or people to want to um, uh, to, to, to do something. But will Pakistanis now take fate into their hands and actually do something constructive? Now they have security. Now mm. the economy is looking mm. very positively. Mm. What, 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 is, what, what, what are Pakistanis waiting for? Well, uh, there's still, it's, it's premature. It's, it's very premature at the moment. It's early days. Uh, security situation has improved. But it, it, what's happened previously, as we've seen in Nawaz's government last time, Nawaz Shri's government, there were foreign remittances, people put confidence in the country, and then all of their assets were, were frozen because well, of one situation or another. But foreign remittances can't, you know, essentially fix a country. You need to have jobs. Job creation? Of course, but for everything. I mean, all foreign investment um, so, uh, will, will, will enable that, right? So when, when people, when money comes in from abroad, and that's one aspect of it, and you, you, it's a creation of, of industry, the creation of business, and that creates jobs in, 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 uh, as well. So it's all a knock-on effect. I have to leave it there. Waqar, Sheikh, thank you very much for your time. Jazakumullah khair. Thank you very much. Thank you for speaking to me face-to-face. -face. Good to be here. Thank you to you at home for listening to the program. Please do check out our website, which will come up on the screen. And join us again next time. We'll be having more pertinent conversations on the issues that affect us. From me, Jazakum Lakhir, Wassalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh.